Good morning. Very warm welcome to our service of worship. And as we gather to worship God, may you know God's loving presence with you. Um, I've got quite a few notices this morning. First of all, I have to apologize. We don't have the video camera today, so um, th those that are joining us on live stream um, will just get the slides and the sound. And um, if you're behind a pillar, I apologize if you can't see things quite as well today. Next Sunday, we celebrate Holy Communion during our 11 a.m. service. And following our recent uh, practice, uh, those attending in person will receive a container with the elements as they arrive to be taken during the service when invited to do so. Um, those who prefer to bring their own elements are, willing, are, are, are welcome to do so. And we, uh, just a formal notice of a congregational meeting. Uh, notice is hereby given that there will be a congregational meeting on Sunday the 6th of February in the church sanctuary following the 11 a.m. communion service. Members and adherents of the congregation are invited to the meeting at which they will be asked to vote for or against the adoption of the unitary constitution. Information regarding the proposals agreed by the Kirk session for the adoption of the unitary constitution were circulated in the winter edition of Contact. And if anyone has questions regarding this, it would be very helpful if you could pass those on uh, to the session clerk in advance of the meeting. Our call to worship comes from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. So let's worship God as we sing together, glory be to God the Father, and you're welcome to stand as we sing.
Let's pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, glory be to your name always. You are worthy of all thanks and praise, for you are Lord over all creation, and you show your goodness and kindness by providing for every living thing. Loving and merciful Father, you are most worthy of all honor and glory, for you have come to us in Jesus, your Son, to save us from our sins, to take away our guilt, and to set us free to live in love and joy in your presence forever. Forgive us, Lord, for all the ways we have turned from you and gone our own ways in our words, thoughts, and deeds. Cleanse us and renew us by your most Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus who died in our place. Fill us with the peace of your presence and open our hearts and minds to worship you in spirit and in truth that we may hear your words of life and respond with loving obedience as your children through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, Rosie is going to come and lead us in our worship now. See what's in the Bible today, and ooh, we have got a picture of. Yeah, camera can't zoom in. I'm afraid. Sorry. Maybe that's a good thing. It's my drawing. Um, a picture of a lighthouse, and I don't know if you've seen a lighthouse in reality before, but it's a huge, big tower that has a massive lamp inside and has a very powerful beam that can shine out in the darkness. And it's always uh, been built around where, by the sea, uh, where there are jaggy rocks or maybe the sea is very shallow. Um, so to, <clears throat> excuse me, to warn sailors when they're sailing by to not get too close, just in case they go onto the rocks and get their, their boats damaged. And so at night time, when the sailors can't see a thing, they can't see the rocks at all, the lighthouse stands tall and powerful and shines its light out. And it's as if it's saying, beware, watch out. Don't come close to the rocks at all. And here we have our little boat. So the boat's swimming along, sailing along, and veers away from the rocks because of the lighthouse. And you could say that we're almost like the little boats and our lives are like swimming along in the water. And sometimes lies and bad things happen to us. 
bad things like lies and uh, stuff like that. And they want to hurt us. But God, like the lighthouse, shines out a light and saying, beware, don't come close to these things that hurt you. And he does this through his word, his word of truth in the Bible. And Jesus once told his disciples, beware of lies, especially of the lies of the Sadducees and Pharisees who were the religious leaders in uh, those days. Because he knew that the teachers were telling lies and Jesus knew the truth about God. They were being turned away from God and so they didn't know him. He wanted them to know the truth about God and so that they would sail away from the rocks. Let's pray about these things. Lord God, we thank you that we have Jesus, we have your word of truth to know the difference between lies and your truth. Help us to read your word more so that we can follow you safely without getting hurt. And Lord, we thank you that when we do get hurt, that you are there to comfort us and help us. Amen. Right, we're going to sing a new song called My Lighthouse, and it's a fantastic song which will keep get your feet tapping and your hands waving, but I would like us to have some actions for the chorus, and I'm going to attempt to sing it, and actually, Carol, could we have the chorus words up so people can see? Um, so that's the first verse, second verse, and then third verse, and it goes a bit like this. And you point your, your fingers to yourself, my lighthouse, put your hands above your head like um, you're covering your head, my lighthouse, we do that again, shining in the darkness, so you flash your, your fingers above your head, I will follow you, your hand goes straight forward, pointing forward, my lighthouse, my lighthouse again, I will trust the promise, and you put your thumbs up that everything's good, you will carry me safe to shore, you will carry me, so as if you're rocking a baby, safe to shore, and then you use one of your hands to wiggle in front of you like a, a wiggly worm, or as, like the waves really, safe to shore, and then we use the other hand to go back, safe to shore, safe to shore, and it sounds a bit like this, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, Shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore. Safe to shore. Safe to shore. Safe to shore. Right, let's do it. Stand up, everybody. See how we get on. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are 
are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my. reading this, uh, this week is from Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 29. To the angel of the church in Pergamon write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me not even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, 
who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you, have, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise. I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. To the angel of the church of Tyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By teaching her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the children, the churches, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Tyre, To you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. And may God bless to us the reading of his holy word. Going to sing now our next hymn, O the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Mission Praise number 522. And you're welcome to stand.
Okay, thank you, God. <laughs> right, I shall start again. Here we are. <laughs> ah, and we're looking at the next two churches in the book uh, this, of, of Revelations uh, of chapter 2. And it's not a comfortable reading at all, is it? It's, it's a really hard message to swallow. But, but let us remember from what Gavin said last week, uh, and that is, it's the discipline given is, is one given in love by our concerned, loving Father God. And it's also one of hope that we can see shining through the hardships and the temptations that the devil um, puts on us, that there is actually hope of overcoming. If you remember in the passage, God talks about, Jesus talks about overcoming, which leads to a blessing in our lives. And God has all the resources that we need. So, so let's look at the passage and unpack it a bit and find out how we overcome. Well, here we have Pergamum and Thyatira, and who on one level are, are very faithful and true to God. Pergamum, we see, didn't renounce Jesus even to death. And Thyatira was commended for their good deeds, love, faith, and perseverance. But they had tolerated the pagan society around them. And making a concession for the principles, allowing the Nicolaitans to influence them instead of following the truth of God's word. Now, we don't know much about the Nicolaitans except that they were a heretical sect <clears throat> within the church. And we're told in the letter to Ephesus that God hated what they did. They were described to be like the teacher Balaam, a corrupt teacher who in the past had deceived Israel and led them away from God and into sin by eating sacrificial food that was sacrificed for idols and through sexual immorality. The Nicolaitans compromised in their faith to enjoy some of the sinful practices of society in their city. And they made excuses to justify their behavior, even though they knew it was against God's will for them. And worse, they tempted the faithful believers with half-truths and lies. <clears throat> the temptation for these churches were too strong compromise crept in and the distinction between church and the world was blurred there was too much tolerance for those who opposed the truth and too little discipline with dealing with it thus compromising the relationship with God and so we see the command to repent is the warning to prevent the consequence of divine judgment now, it would be easy for us to think that the churches in Pergamum and Tyre should really be cut some slack. Come on. After all, Pergamum was a place where Satan could have, been, could have called home. It was so evil in, in the way they, they did things there. And Tyre, well, they were a really faithful, hard-working church. Would you really blame them for, for what they had succumbed to? 
Well, in life, there are things that we can't control. Or the people around us and what they do and what they think and what they say. However, we do have a choice. We are not robots. God has not made us like a robot. He has given us free will to choose the way we lead our lives. And the choice of a relationship, either with God or with other things in our lives, with other gods. And the important thing to remember is that God does not tolerate sin 100%. And why? Because he's given us all that we need to overcome. In fact, he has an expectation of us overcoming because he can see all that we really are the way he has made us to be in a perfect relationship with him. That with him, we are victorious in what we do and how we live and how he does not allow what we cannot endure. He always has a way. So that whatever we go through, he will show us a way through to the victorious life. In 1 John 5, chapter, um, chapter 5, 3 to 5, he says, it says, This is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So to overcome is to live a victorious life by believing in Christ and remaining faithful, persevering to keep God's commands in his word. However, how can any of this have any impact on us? if we don't understand who God really is and what he's done for us and what kind of relationship he wants to have with us. And we can gain understanding by looking at the Old Testament and seeing God's relationship with the Israelites. And we can understand this through symbolism of a marriage where God is the bridegroom and they are the bride. Just imagine a marriage. The relationship is bound with a covenant, just as we wear rings when we get married. A promise that God never breaks. And he pledges to be the God of Israel, to protect, provide, and guarantee future blessing, blessings on them and their children. And Israel pledges to obey God fully and keep every covenant, to have no other gods but him and to only worship him. But as we know, Israel compromises. And the truth of God is mixed with lies as they um, invite other gods into their own lives they choose to sin, sin by sinking into immorality and idolatrous sacrifice. 
It was as if they had committed adultery. They'd been unfaithful and broken their marriage vow, and their relationship was tarnished. What was holy in that relationship was defiled. <clears throat> and for us to say it's the same for us as Christians, God is our faithful bridegroom who perfectly loves us, and we are the bride. And we make a covenant with God that he is our God alone. But when we sin, it's as if we have committed adultery, tarnishing our relationship. Thank God that he loves us so much that he was prepared to die for us. So he sends his son, Jesus, to take that punishment so that we could be forgiven. And it's as if that sin is washed away and that, that relationship with God is, is pure and perfect and holy again. How much more important is it that, that we try our very best to turn away from sin and come to God in that perfect relationship? And he says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. In Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. God is a jealous holy God who loves us passionately and wants to cover us with his love and blessings. And for us, we're to put a seal on our hearts and our arms so nothing else gets in but him. Nothing is to get in the way of his perfect, pure love. And it goes on, death does not give up the dead and neither will God give up on, on us. His love is like an intense, mighty flame that burns for us. What a powerful picture. Whoa. We are his, and he is totally committed to us, totally faithful. And we can have confidence in that love, resting assured in him who never fails us. As Christians, we have chosen to trust and follow Jesus and working on our relationship with him as, as, as we would with, with any other relationship. It's a continual thing. And although we've been saved by Jesus' death and resurrection, we still need to work at it, to work in our salvation and become holy as Jesus is holy. And we know it's not all plain sailing, because as we're warned in the Bible, the God of this age, that is the devil, Satan, blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't see. And he wants to blind us as well. He wants to take us captive with hollow and deceptive philosophy, lies to deceive or distort God's word and lead us away from the protection of God. 
So it's good to remember that Satan is a liar, a murderer, and a thief, and he will do anything to tear us away from the passionate love of God. But we are commanded to submit to God. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Fear the God, fear God, fear the Lord, and that is to to revere and to honour Him. It's not about a fearful. Oh, it's about revering Him, who He is, and what He's done, and recognising what He has for us in our lives, so we can fear Him and keep His commands, for that is what counts for our own benefit and protection. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And so it, it is prudent to be informed and not ignorant of the truth in the Bible. We want to overcome and be victorious in our lives, so we need to be grounded on the word of God. And it's good to ask questions, especially when we're faced with problems. Because isn't it like chaos and confusion immediately comes and disturbs us and distracts us and panics us and makes us fearful? That's not God. That's the devil trying to take us away from God. So it's good to ask questions. What is the truth in this matter, God? What do you think about this? What is the solution? And how are you the solution, God, to all these problems? Because I can't solve it. I don't know what to do. What are your promises for me? What do you think of me? And to break all the sin and the lies in our lives, we need to be aware that sometimes these things are so familiar and so normal in our lives that we don't even know that they are sins and lies. And so it's good to start questioning when we do things that we think, oh gosh, that wasn't very nice, or oh, that was really hurtful what I did and said, to actually think, why do I do that? Where does that come from? What lie am I believing about myself and about God that is making me do these things? Because sometimes these lies come into our lives when we're very young. And it comes in sometimes through our family. Sometimes, for example, maybe our family is really anxious. We know that our grandmother, even our great-grandmother and our mother ourselves, uh, our own mother is, is really anxious or worried. Or maybe they get really angry about things. And you know that even though you don't want to be like them, that you just end up being like them. And it's not because it's normal and that's just the way it is. It's because of the lies that have come in from the devil. Putting trauma usually comes in through trauma. And it opens the door. It's like opening a door to fear or anger or whatever. But it's good to look at the Bible because what does the Bible say, for instance, about fear? In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. God hasn't given us fear. He doesn't give us negative things. But if we allow, if we choose to let it into our lives, it becomes normal. Thank God there's a way out. Because we can break that power of sin. When we come and repent, when we recognize these sins and these things that are holding us back from who we really are, if we forgive ourselves, we also forgive the people who have hurt us, then we can break the power of sin and we can remove it. I am reminded of a hymn that says, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I am alive. I want to live my life for something that will last forever. Oh, I delight, I delight to do your will. What is on your heart, Lord? Show me what to do. Let me know your heart, and I will follow you. So let us live as overcomers as we believe in Christ and act on the Bible's guidance, warnings, and commands, aiding our ever-growing relationship with God and keeping us on the straight path. Amen. Let's pray. Holy and eternal Father, we look to you alone and come before you now in thanks and praise. We thank you for your word of truth, your living <clears throat> and powerful word that is eternal and stands firm in the heavens. Thank you that you have not left us to our own devices, but you have given us your word to be a lamp to our feet and a light for our paths. Your word that we can depend on, that encourages and enables us to be overcomers through our circumstances and situations within our lives. Teach us to hear and respond to all that you are saying to us and renew us in the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is able to save us completely. Faithful God, we help us to speak and use your word to bless and encourage each other, sharing your love and kindness with everyone we meet. We want to serve you and the purposes you have for us to live our lives for your glory, delighting to do your will alone. What is on your heart, Lord? And show us what you want us to do individually and corporately as a church. 
sovereign Lord, you are our creator and redeemer and the savior of our world. We thank you that there is nothing in this world that is greater than your power to save. So we bring before you now the needs of our world. Loving God, in the quiet now, we bring before you those people and places that are especially on our minds and hearts at this time and lay our requests before you. God, our healer and comforter, we bring to those who we know who are in need, the bereaved, the sick, the hurting, the troubled, and those who are in want of any kind. Bring your comfort, your healing, your peace, and your provision for those we name silently before you now. God of all hope, we receive your healing in our own lives now. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and renew us with your peace and joy. To you be glory and honour, blessing and adoration, now and forevermore. Amen. Our, our closing hymn is All to Jesus, I Surrender, Mission Praise, number 25.
And now, just as we receive Christ Jesus as Lord, may we live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, and overflowing with thankfulness. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us this day and always. Amen.